and he is saying what the father tells him to say every time. He doesn't just do things because he thinks it might sound nice. He does it because the father has told him to do something. And this is no different. So his relationship with God was so intimate that there was nothing that Jesus did that God didn't direct him to do. In John 5, 19, it says this. I'm just going to flick there. Actually. Who brings their analog Bible to church still? I love it. Because I can flick through it. I know where things are. Because I've got highlighting and, you know, bits. In uh, 5.19. So this is uh, just after he's, he's gotten into trouble from the Pharisees and from the, the religious people because he was working on a Sunday. And he was like, well, hang on a second. My father never stops working. I never stop working. So, you know, and he goes on to say this afterwards. He says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what, the fa- what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. And again, if we flick over to John 12, we're doing a lot in John today. In John 12, verse 49, it says, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So the introductory words in John 13 that we read before, my children... They're a reminder to us that God is speaking on behalf of the Father. And the Father wants to speak to his children in that moment, that intimate place that Jesus had, that intimate relationship that Jesus had with the disciples. He's reminding them that actually it's my Father who is speaking to you. Don't get distracted by the fact that I'm here right now. I am speaking on behalf of God, the Father, who wants to give you some information that is really, really important. And I need you to hear this from my heart of hearts. I need you to hear what the Father is saying to you right now by using just those, that little term, that my children term. Jesus is telling them something that they really need to remember. He's reminding them that he is carrying an authority that comes from the Father to speak to them, to speak and to change the world around them. And the Father wants his children to be ready for what's to come because Jesus was leaving them. And he was reminding them that they must love one another as I have loved you. Not just how Jesus has physically in this world loved them in person, but also the Father who Jesus has been acting on behalf of this whole time. You know, there are times in my house, I'm sure I'm not the only parent who can relate to this, where I will be in a room with my children and they will be fine. They will be happy. They will be playing. They will be cool. They will be loving each other. And then I leave the room and I go over to this room, which is just down the hall. Not a whole lot's changed in my location. But all of a sudden, I have little children coming to me saying, Mom, Charlotte just did blah, blah, blah. And then two minutes later... Mom, 
Maddie just hit me because that's her thing at the moment, hitting. Maddie just hit me and I'm like, oh my goodness, nothing's changed, guys. I'm, I'm not in the room with you right here, but I'm just over here. For goodness sake, I'm not that far away. Like, seriously, what changed? You were loving each other five minutes ago and all of a sudden you're like enemies. I don't understand, you know. And I was just like, oh my gosh. But Jesus, in this passage, I likened myself. No, I'm just joking. Jesus is trying to reassure and confirm to the disciples that just because he's not going to be in the flesh right here, right now, their behaviour doesn't need to change. Just because I'm not here with you in person doesn't mean that I don't want you to continue to love the way that I have loved you. Remember that. You know, there's something new that he wants them to remember. Love each other deeply. Love each other so much that they will know with every fibre of their being that they are loved, that there is no doubt in their mind. And that goes for us too. He's speaking to the disciples and he's speaking to us in that same passage, in that same way. We have the Holy Spirit to remind us, right? And so we just need to allow him to remind us, to have it in the forefront of our mind. So when we love each other, we're not loving because this is, sorry, when we love each other, we are loving because this is what the Father does. This is who the Father is. And Jesus emulated on earth the will of the Father. The Father's will is that we would love each other so that everyone would know who He is, the God of love. So our first point this morning, that was all an introduction, okay? (laughs) Our first point this morning is that love is not an add-on, it's an always. In 1 John 4, 16, 16, the last part of that verse, to verse 19, we've heard this before, says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in perfect love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. You see, when we think about what Jesus is saying in John 13, we have to remember that he only does what the Father does. He only says what the Father says. And God is love. So everything that comes from the Father comes from that position, a position of love. Love is not a sometimes act. You know how we've all got those sometimes foods, which, let's face it, can become always foods? (laughs) We've all got those. But love is not a sometimes act. Love is not something that we just add on when we feel like it or when we've had a good day or when, you know, somebody does something nice for us. Love is not the thing that we just go, oh, yeah, I should love that person. That's not what love is. Love needs to be who we are. If we think back to Luke 19 and the story of Zacchaeus, 
We're going to keep coming back to that today because it's the story that God gave me, so we're going to keep coming back to it. When we come back to that, that story of Zacchaeus, we can see that Jesus loved Zacchaeus so much that he stopped and he looked up and he invited him to be a part of his world right there. He loved him so much because this man desperately wanted to see Jesus. He just wanted to see him. He didn't want to speak to him. He didn't want to touch him. He didn't want to do anything. He just wanted to see him. And Jesus' love for this man in this moment was so great that he stopped everything. This is a man who other people wouldn't have even cared about. This is a man who people would have shunned from their homes. This is a man that people would not want anything to do with because he's a tax collector and he is awful. But Jesus' motivation was not to go in and tell Zacchaeus all the bad things that he was doing and that he needed to give all this money back to these people or anything like that. That wasn't what he wanted to do. In fact, it doesn't even say in the scripture that he had asked or was forcing or was, you know, evangelizing, if you like, the word onto, onto Zacchaeus. He wasn't saying, you need to give your life to the Lord. You need to, you know, he was, he didn't, it doesn't even say in the scriptures that he did that. All he did was say to Zacchaeus, hey, mate, I'm going to come and eat at your house. I'm going to come and stay with you. And in that one act, in that one act of love, that one act of selflessness, Zacchaeus' whole life changed and today salvation is brought into this house and you have become a son of Abraham. I'm restoring to you this because all it took was Jesus just to say, hey, I want to be in your world. And one encounter with him changed Zacchaeus' world forever. It wasn't because it was an add-on or something that Jesus wanted to just you know, oh, shivers, I better love him because that's what the Father's telling me to do. I better just quickly love him and, you know, show him love so we could be an example to all. No, this is who Jesus was. And that one encounter with him changed his world. I don't know about you, but I can't honestly say that everything I do comes directly from a place of love. There are ulterior motives at times where I will want to, you know, see something happen or I will think to myself, ah, you know, my, my words or actions, I know that there's a motivation behind them that's probably not love. Maybe it's because I, I want to feel loved myself. Maybe it's because I feel like it's the right thing to do. It's out of duty or responsibility. But as Christians, we're called to a place where our every motive needs to be love. Our every word, our every action, not an afterthought. God's love is not an afterthought. It's not a, oops, I forgot that time. I'll try better next time with you, Jez. I forgot to love you today. No, no. God doesn't ever, doesn't ever forget that. He loves us all the time. He's entirely and completely love. And the amazing thing that this doesn't change no matter what. No matter how bad a day we had, no matter what we did, his love for us doesn't change. So we're going back to the scripture. My children, my beautiful, wonderful children, this is the Father speaking through the Son right now. 
I will be with you just a little longer and you will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. A new command I give you. Now, new indicates something old, right? There must be something that we can compare that to. We are new covenant Christians. We are people who are no longer under the law of the Old Testament, but under the grace of the New Testament. So why does it matter? Our second point today is that loving is a command that comes from a heart connection with the Father through the Son. God is God. He is never changing. He is always the same. So in the Old Testament, He is love. In the New Testament, He is love. So why all the fuss then about a new commandment? The new comes from the power and the motivation by which we are to love. We are to love like Christ has loved us. Hebrews 10, verse 1 to 18, which we're not going to read because it's too long, but you should read, go and read it today. Write that down, Hebrews 1, um, 10, 1 to 18. But it's a great scripture and it gives us an idea of what it means, what this change is for us. You see, before under the Old Testament, we had to obey the law. We had to make sacrifices. We had to make ourselves right in God's eyes, but it never lasted. It would never stay that way. We had to continually do it again and again and again to make sure that we were always right with God. And that was the way that system worked. And until the day we died, that was how we lived our lives. Because there was no sacrifice great enough to meet the requirements completely of having lived a sinful life and needing to be right in God's eyes. There was no way we could do it. Then enter Jesus. And the story changes. You know, Jesus was fully man and fully God. But he chose to give up his rights as God so that he could show us what it meant to live a life on this earth as a child of God to be in right relationship with God. Not only this, but at the end of his life on earth, he gave up his own life. He made that sacrifice for us. He took on all of our sin. He took on not only our sin, but the sin of the world, of the world, gave his life up for everyone so that we could be in right relationship with God And all we have to do is say, God, Jesus, I trust you. I love you. I want you in my world. I'm going to live my life for you. That's all we have to do. Sounds like a simple task, right? The way that Jesus loved people was a whole new way. It was a whole new thing. He not only loved the people in his direct influence or in his particular, you know, his particular disciples or the people who were in his particular community. He loved everyone and this love was to be the thing that distinguished them, the disciples and us from anyone else. And we're going to look at how that happened in the coming weeks. But right now I just want to show a quick video of a beautiful couple from this church and we're going to put that up on the screen and I just want you to have a look. I'm doing all the talking here, Missy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be December. 
when I ended up out of work at the end of November. Being retired at 34 was pretty hard to swallow. Um, not being diagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic pain, which is my two main problems. Um, praying for a miracle every day with the fibromyalgia because there's no cure. We got very blessed with a few people through church at Northwest as well as Central, um, which pretty much saved our Christmas this year with our family. It was looking very glim, but we ended up having a, a very good day, Christmas Day. Got we were able to open lots of prezies and that. I didn't really get much into the Christmas spirit this year, uh, but what started the help was the way that we were blessed with, you know, church family and friends for the church that really come to our aid in a time of need, in a big time of need actually. Um, and it's great because they, they didn't even ask questions. They didn't need to know everything about what we were going through. They just knew that they wanted to help us and that was great. Um, one of the biggest things that challenged me was just the way that people were very open and giving, especially some of the gifts we received um, pretty much left me in tears once I got home, which really challenged me to give as well, even knowing that we're in a big time of need. For me, it's just been about being there, being present in the church, be there to talk to people, being open. So many people in the church, you could say, hey, do you want to catch up for a coffee or can we have a chat or something like that? And you just feel like that's okay, that they're not judging you, that they're not thinking anything bad about you, that you can just kind of just, yeah, go with it. We're not in the best spot at the moment, but we've got a roof over our heads. We're very thankful for what we've got. Um, and I'd hate to think about where we would be without God and His help, to be honest. I'd really hate to think about where we were without His love. God, right now, we just declare breakthrough over the McFarlands. God, we speak, Lord Jesus, life, abundance, Lord God. We speak a new level of freedom over them, Lord God. We speak continued healing over Jason, Lord God. We declare, Father, that this is their year. We declare that this year, Lord God, they are going to see a breakthrough that they have never seen before. They are going to see changes in their lives that they have been waiting for for a long time. Lord God, they are going to see their children flourish, Lord God, that their children are going to flourish this year, Lord God. Father, we, are going to, we speak, Lord God, a new level of peace in their home, Lord Jesus. We thank you that there will be a rest and something, Lord God, that would come on them that would take away all anxiety. Lord Jesus, that depression would cease in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare that there would be nothing, Lord God, that would stand in the way of the great things that you are going to do this year, Lord God. And we declare, Father, that that breakthrough starts today in Jesus' name. Father, we declare that over the McFarlane's lives, Lord God. We thank you that not only is breakthrough going to happen in their life, God, they are going to bring breakthrough to other people lives. God, they are going to take the love that they have seen and, and been, experienced, been experiencing, God, your love, Lord God, and they're going to take it out, Lord Jesus, and they are going to see other people's worlds changed. I speak a new level of confidence over them today, Lord God, that there would be a boldness, Father, that comes from a place that they didn't even know existed in them. And Lord God, I pray right now, Lord God, that they would know that peace that passes all understanding. Lord God, they would know that they are loved beyond a shadow of a doubt. And Lord Jesus, that you are with them every step of the way. Lord God, we thank you for them. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. The point comes back to God is love. 
and therefore Jesus' love, and we are commanded to love those around us. We are to be motivated by selfless, gracious, beautiful love. And not only is it beautiful, it's powerful. I know like the men in the house are thinking, beautiful love, what does that even mean? You know what, guys? It is beautiful, but it's also really powerful. Just like that love that we saw demonstrated to the McFarlands. Just like what was demonstrated to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus shows us that God loves every person, that Jesus stopped because he loved every person, that we should stop when we see somebody who just wants an encounter with Jesus. He loved the people who were nearest and dearest and he had enough love to go around to the people who he didn't know. You know, there was always a command to love. The Ten Commandments, the two great commandments, this isn't a new thing. But like I said, this, the new comes from the power and the motivation by which we are to love, to love like Christ has loved us. Until Jesus came, we didn't have an example. Until Christ was on earth, we didn't really have anything to go by. What does it even mean? But now, now we have the yardstick. Now we have illustra- an illustration that points us to a life of love, not an add-on, not a sometimes food, but an everyday, every minute way to live. Are we feeling overwhelmed? You shouldn't be. We don't need to. Because when we submit ourselves to him, as we rest in him, the more we, come like, the more we become like him, the rest will flow. We won't be able to help but be people who are motivated by love because we come, become more and more like him. Our motivation becomes God's will and motivation, not doing something under law, not because we have to, but because we can't help but. See, the command is not a directive like the law was in the Old Testament days. The use of the word command indicates that it's very important that he needs us to do this. But the outworking of the command comes from a relationship with a loving father through the loving son, which spills over into our lives and into the lives of those people around us. What does it mean to love like Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. We've kind of started exploring that today and we're going to explore it more next week. But the precursor to any of this becoming a reality in our worlds, the only way that we can make this happen comes from our third point. We can only love like Jesus when we have had an encounter with the love of Jesus. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By encountering the love of Jesus, we can't help but be overwhelmed. Not in a bad way, in a really good way. We can't help but love the people around us. It's not just something we can glide over. We must have an encounter with Jesus himself. We must know what it means to be loved by him. No words that I have can explain this. It has to be an experience. So before we go on any more this morning, before we keep going, you know, it looks different for every person, but we're just going to take a moment to encounter the love of God, right? 
So why don't you stand this morning? There's no pressure for it to look like something. If you want to sit, you can sit. That's fine. Don't feel like you need to be doing something that you're not comfortable with. I just want you to sit in the presence of God. And we're going to sing a bit, but we might not sing all the time. And just you just use what you, this time, this space to encounter the love of God. Allow Him to invade your world in this moment. Just a little bit more. You know what? There's more to come. But just a little bit more so that we can get the position from where we are to love from. Thank you, Lord.